Aren't you glad that we serve a God who thinks of everything? You know, God is not a cheater. He doesn't cheat the system. He plays by the rules that he's put in place. You know, what would it be like if I invited you over to play a game at my house with me? And let's just say it's Monopoly, right? Because everyone knows Monopoly is a great arguing game. <laughs> so we, I invite you over to play Monopoly at our house. And I say, but here's the deal. Here's the rules of the game. We're going to play by the rules. Except because it's my house and my game, the rules don't apply to me. You guys have to live by the rules, but not me. It's ridiculous, right? But a lot of people think that's how God is as He is sovereign in the universe. But you know, the Lord works. He, he stays within the confines of the rules that He's set in place about this earth. You know, He didn't ask, um, he didn't ask Abraham to give up Isaac, His one and only son, because He's fickle and needed to know that Abraham loved Him. That's not at all the reason. The reason he asked that is because God had set up certain rules on this planet. And in order to not violate those rules, he had to have his covenant man. What does covenant mean? Covenant means that what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. He had to have his covenant man, Abraham, in the earth, give him his one and only son so that he could later, the father, could give his one and only son to mankind. He said, why would he set up that rules and why did he do it that way? Well, go all the way back to the beginning when he created Adam and Eve in the garden. And he said, you guys have dominion and authority over all the earth and everything that's in it. So, they're the ones that are, have dominion, right? Well, we know the story of how the enemy comes in, deceives them, and they, you know, Jesus said that the one that you yield to is the one you're a slave to. So the moment they yielded to the devil, they gave over all their rights and authority to the devil for the planet. That's why Paul says the God of this world is the devil. Well, when that happened, well, in fact, let's go a little bit further with it, to the temptation of Jesus. When the devil takes him up on top of the mountain and he says, look at all these kingdoms and all of this power and glory and authority. All of it belongs to me and I'll give it to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Jesus did not say, that's a lie. That wasn't given to you. You don't have that. He didn't say that because he knew it was true. Where was it given to him? All the way back in the Garden of Eden when that fall took place. So because God had said, here's man, here's the earth, but now they give it away to someone else. You know, he'd put man there to have fellowship with him. To have relationship with them. And now that's been severed. And in order to play by his rules, he finds a man that he can make covenant with, Abraham. And with that man, he asks him, give me what's most valuable to you, your son. And when Abraham was willing to do that, he made the way available so that God could come by later and say, hey, my covenant man did it to me. I can now do it to you. And the devil can't stand there and accuse him of being a cheater. He's played by the rules that he's set in place. And so when you think of what, I, what Abraham did with Isaac, it's so much more. And I think even what I'm explaining is a small glimpse of once we're on the other side, you know, in Ephesians, it tells us that he's going to take the ages to explain the glories of God to us. Things that we were just like, wow, I didn't know that was going on in the behind the scenes. Isn't God awesome? Anyhow, that was extra for tonight. Hors d'oeuvres. 
I don't know, maybe, I don't know. It was something. Something good. Open your Bible with me, if you would, over to 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. We have been in this series for quite some time now. Series on the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit and His gifts. How they work and function in the church and in our lives. And we are getting to the tail end of this series. Not the last time we're going to teach on it because it's something that should be taught on regularly. In fact, if you look in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, this would be the chapter that we would know as the spiritual gifts chapter. He begins by saying, now concerning spiritual gifts or or spiritual matters, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. So there's why we teach on it periodically because it's not good that you be unaware of these things. He goes on and he says, You know that when you were pagans you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. Always. Any inspired speaking will always glorify Jesus. Verse 4, Now there are different gifts but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. So here we see he mentions gifts, right? Gifts of the Spirit is what we would call them, but he also mentions ministries. You know, the ministries are the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, right? And there's others, um, as we'll see at the end of the chapter. But he says there are different gifts, there's different ministries, and verse 6, there are different activities, or different ways they work. We all know that not every pastor is the same, even though they stand in the same gift or office of pastoring. Right? They work their different activities, but the same God works all of them, all the ministries, all the gifts of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. So right here we have solid Scripture that tells us every person has, has some or, or more of these. And what is the purpose? The common good is for the good of others. To one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit. We had a whole sermon on that. To another, a word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Had a whole sermon on that. To another, special faith by the same Spirit. We've had a sermon on each one of these. And if you want to hear it, you can go online to our website and go back and, and hear those sermons. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing or discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these. Distributing to each person as he wills. So now there's a few things that I want to I mention here before we go further. We, during our course of teaching, I've taken from how other people have taught. And they've divided the gifts into three categories. And each category has three gifts on the, within that category. And the reason we do that, just to make it simple to teach on them. And it, help, it helps understand them. So there's three revelation gifts. That's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Then we have the three power gifts. 
Those gifts are, are the gifts of healing, working of miracles, and the special faith. The three power gifts. And then tonight, we're going to cover the three speaking gifts. And truly, we could do many sermons on, on these three, but I'm going to try to cover them um, all tonight thoroughly enough that we can go on further. And those three speaking gifts are tongues to people, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. So, <clears throat> I find it very fascinating that we have in chapter 12 these gifts and these ministries listed. In fact, if you, I'll just, I'll, I'll, we're going to come back here in a moment, but if you would, if we would read the rest of the chapter, you would see that he talks about everybody has a place in the body, nobody's left out, every person has a unique special function, and um, one can't say they're better than the other, and so forth. And then he comes all the way down, he talks about how God has placed these in the body. He's the one who's responsible for it. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. So those are ministries. And next, miracles. Now he switches to the gifts. Then gifts of healings. Helping or relief or aid is what that is. It's the helps ministry. He talks about governing. All right, Leading. It means to steer. That's a, that's a ministry as well. Various kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. The obvious answer is no to all of that. But earnestly desire the greater gifts and I will show you an even better way. And he tells us to desire these gifts and then he says I'll show you a better way. It's not a better way than the gifts. It's a better way to receive the gifts than simply desiring them. And he talks about love. And he go, we go through all the way through the, the love chapter. And if you will walk in love, that is the greater way to walk in the gifts or to operate in the gifts. Is as you operate in the love of God, His love in you will compel you to be at the right place at the right time and then His Spirit will impart a gift to be ministered in that moment. So the love chapter isn't, it's not like here's the gifts and then oh here's, but, but really this is what it's all about is love. No, he's saying here's gifts and you guys need, need these and you need to want these. You should desire these. And, but more than did that, here's a better way. Love. And as you walk in love, you'll see those gifts manifest in you. Now let's go back to the beginning of, of chapter 12 or back to um, verse 10. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. Okay, that's one of the speaking gifts. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. Everyone say different kinds. Notice he makes clear right here there are different types or different kinds of tongues. One of the trouble with the Greek language is there's only one word for tongues. All the different types of tongues are encompassed in one word. It's kind of like our word for love in the English language. In the Greek, there's eight different words that describe love. Different types of love that you can have, whether it be, you know, for in English, we say, well, I love ice cream. I love padded seats. I love God. I love my wife. I love my children. I love you. I love going traveling. I love, I love, I love. 
Right? We use the same word to describe our love for God as we do for our appreciation of ice cream. English language is really weak when it comes to this issue of the word love. So we've tried, in our house, we've tried to teach our children to use the word like for things and the word love for people and God. I love people, I love God, I like things. I like ice cream, I like you know, baseball, so forth. Well, it's that way in the Greek for tongues. There's not a tongues that's called a prayer language and a tongues that's a message to people and a tongues that's a sign tongue. It's all just tongues. And the only way for you to know the difference is to understand the context and read the verses that come in before it and after it to know what type of tongues is he talking about in this moment. Right? Just like if you want to know the kind of love that I'm talking about, is it phileo love? That soulish connection I have with a person? Is it agape love? Love that's without conditions like God has? Or is it um, eros love? Selfish love? Right? You have to hear the context of what I'm saying to understand what I mean. If I say, well, I love Kevin because Kevin just does nice things for me all the time, so I love Kevin. Well, that sounds like a real selfish love, doesn't it? But if I say, I love Kevin and there's nothing that Kevin could do to make me not love him, now all of a sudden the context tells you what kind of love I'm talking about. Well, the same way with tongues. We have to look at context each and every time to understand what type of tongues is he talking about in this situation. And we're going to do our best tonight to break down um, the three different kinds of tongues that we find in Scripture. There may be more, but these are the three that I am aware of. So the, the first is a tongue to God. Okay, We would call it your prayer language or praying in tongues. But the bottom line is you're speaking to God in tongues. The second type of tongues that we're going to look at is a message to people in tongues. That's the one that needs to be interpreted. Right? A message to you. Obviously, you're not going to understand it if there's no interpretation. So there needs to be interpretation for that. And then the third kind is the sign tongue. A tongue that's given as a sign to an unbeliever. And we see that happen on the day of Pentecost when the disciples were all filled with the Holy Spirit. There's the sound of wind. There's the sound of fire. Looks like fire. There's all this noise. People come around, say what's going on. And they hear 17 different languages being spoken to them. It was a sign tongue to them. But here's an important part. No one got saved by listening to those tongues until Peter opened his mouth and started preaching. It is of the foolishness of preaching that people come to the knowledge of salvation and can enter into salvation. So do not rely on the gifts of the Spirit to do what you're supposed to do by declaring it with your mouth. The gifts of the Spirit are the dinner bell or in this case, sign tongues was the dinner bell for people to hear and go, oh wow, this, this is the Lord. Because they heard it in their own language even though the person speaking was speaking in a language he didn't know. Alright, so three different kinds of tongues. Let's look here back in verse 10 where we started in chapter 12 talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the gifts of the Spirit is giving a message to people in tongues as well as uh, sign tongues as well as praying in tongues, speaking to God. That's why he says different kinds of tongues. The next thing he says is to another interpretation of tongues. Now we're going to see this several times throughout because 
when we talk about tongues and interpretation, well, who should do the interpreting, right? Should it be the person who gave the tongue? Should it be someone else? Well, it can be both. And we'll see that through Scripture as we look at this. But here's one of the places that shows that it can be both. A message to tongues, and then it says to another interpretation of tongues. So it can be, I could give a tongue and John could have an interpretation. Right? And so that's, we know that's one of the ways that this works is because he says it that way right there. And then in verse, um, he goes on, he, oh, I'm not done here. Let's go back to the interpretation of tongues. This word is interesting because it's where we, in the Greek, we get our word hermeneutics from. Interpretation, hermeneutics. And this is how Webster's Dictionary, 1828 Dictionary, defined the word hermeneutics. The art of finding the meaning of an author's words and phrases and of explaining it to others. The art of finding the meaning of what you meant and explaining it to others. I remember when our children were small and they were learning how to talk. No one else could understand them, but of course mom and dad could because we're around the child all the time. And they would say something to grandpa or grandma and they'd be like, what are they saying? And we would have to interpret. They're saying they want this or they like that. You learn to know your body, I mean your baby's actions and what they want and just by their motions, right? And so you have to interpret. The thing to understand about interpreting tongues is that it's not translation of tongues. Translation, we think word for word. Interpreting a tongue is explaining the meaning of what was said. Like, that's why you could have a long tongue and a short interpretation or a short tongue and a long interpretation. Because quite frankly, I could say to you, grab your stuff and get out now! Right? And if you didn't understand English, Adrian could get up because he understands English, and now he's going to speak to you in your language, he's going to interpret what I said, but because he's so much nicer and more calm than I am, he would say, folks, I want you to gather up your things, Look around you. Make sure that you're not leaving anyone behind. In an orderly fashion, I want you to file out the center aisle and go out the doors and gather in the parking lot. <laughs> right? That would be an interpretation of what I said, but it's not a translation of what I said. Alright? So it's, an under, it's important to understand that distinction when it comes to tongues. It's an interpretation of the tongue. You know, if we played, if John came up and played us a ditty, you know what a ditty is? Yeah, something, a tune. And he would say, all right, um, Nicole, I want you to give us an interpretive dance of what that music meant to you. And Gene, I want you to also give us an interpretive dance to what the music meant to you. We'd get probably two entirely different interpretations. Right? Let's, let's try it? Okay. Uh. All right, here's another thing before we get into chapter 14. Of the gifts of the Spirit, the three speaking gifts are the only ones who get an entire chapter devoted to them. Think of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. He doesn't say anything more about them. He refers to them as by revelation, if you get a revelation. So that's referencing it. But there's not a whole chapter teaching us how to use those, or, or gifts of healings even. It's mentioned throughout the Bible, but we have an entire chapter, chapter 14, that explains how to use tongues, how it should work in a service, how prophecy should work in a service. He answers their questions real thoroughly because apparently this was something that they were having 
some confusion over. Probably because it's the most common in the body of Christ, those three speaking gifts. The tongues, interpretation, and the prophecy. Alright, so let's look in, in verse 1 of chapter 14. Actually, before we do that, how many of you here have come out of Anabaptist roots or settings? I'm going to raise my hand real high. Look around. So there's a number of... Man, some of you, I didn't know that you did. Okay. <clears throat> so my wife and I were raised Mennonite. And Menno Simons was the uh, kind of founder of the Mennonite um, way of doing things. Now, he wasn't the originator of the Anabaptist way of thinking. He had come into the understanding of the Anabaptists and what that looked like. They were rebaptized, is where they got the name Antibaptist. And um, in, in, in all of that, Menno Simons was a priest. And when he found truth in the Word of God and understood that, oh, we're not doing things right in the Catholic Church. He broke off and in the end, he wound up with a bunch of disciples, followers, and they called them Mennonites. Okay? Mennonites. That's where we get the name Mennonites. And so he was the one that started that whole Mennonite movement. Well, the Amish came later from, from a guy, a brother named uh, Jacob Amon. And um, he split off of the Mennonites at one point because he didn't think the Mennonites were strong enough in shunning people with excommunication. So he started the Amish movement. So that's where that came from. You say, well, Pastor, what's all that have to do with tongues? Well, the Anabaptist movement in the early days was a spirit-filled movement. They spoke in tongues. They saw miracles. They operated in these things. And it's not taught for those of you that have Mennonite background, you, didn't, you weren't taught that in your schools or your history books or anything like that. It's pretty whitewashed. Even the fact that the two brothers that started the whole Anabaptist movement, they were together in a living room and they decided that we were baptized as infants and that wasn't right. We need to be rebaptized. And so they poured water over each other and they baptized each other there in that, in that house. Well, two weeks later, this is not in most history books, two weeks later, these two guys at reading their Bible decided, you know what, we didn't do this right. Because in reading the Bible, they saw that to baptize means to dip, to fully go under. And so they went down to the river where later one of them was executed, not, not too much later. They go down to the river and they dunk each other and rebaptize themselves a second time or third time now, I guess. Because if you're counting infants as one time. And that was not, somehow that didn't come through with the Anabaptist teachings to today. So they still sprinkle or pour over with water um, in their baptisms. And I'm not going to say that those baptisms don't count. Surely, surely not. But I am saying there is some history in the Anabaptist realm that um, has been lost. Another interesting thing in all of this, and I found this in Menno Simon's own writings... I'm going to read to you something that he wrote regarding speaking in tongues. And I'm saying this for those of you that have Mennonite background. Because you'll find this interesting. <clears throat> Menno Simons regarding speaking in tongues as it regarded speaking in tongues as a regular part of the Christian walk. In his writing, and you can find this on the internet, an explanation of Christian baptism in the water from the Word of God under the chapter title How the Holy Apostles Practiced Baptism in the Water. He wrote 
in regards to Peter. I quote, For although he was previously informed by a heavenly vision that he might go amongst the Gentiles to teach them the gospel, yet he refused to baptize the pious, noble, and godly centurion and his consorts, so long as he did not see that the Holy Spirit was descended upon them, that they spoke with tongues and glorified God. But when Peter plainly saw that they were truly believing and that the Spirit was descended on them, he said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Behold, kind reader, here you are plainly taught that Peter commanded that those only should be baptized who had received the Holy Ghost, who spoke with tongues and glorified God. Thus the practice of Peter was in accordance with the commandment of Christ in Mark 16, 16, end quote. That's by the founder of the Mennonite religion. But that wasn't taught to me growing up. In fact, we, we did talk about the Holy Spirit and we recognize the Holy Spirit lives in us, but there was no teaching on His gifts. And when I came across places like this, I don't know, we just read a little extra fast right then because no one knew what that was all about. And we'll get to the next part where we can explain it real well. And that was kind of how we treated it. But today, we don't want to do that. We want to look at these things and realize that we are still a part of the original church that was started in the earth. And that we are still in that church dispensation. Alright, chapter 14. And let's begin reading in verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So you should walk in love and you should desire the spiritual gifts. And especially that you may prophesy. So that's one of the speaking gifts. Prophesy. Now before I go further, I should make a little clarification between a prophet and prophecy. You know, all of us probably have some money. But that doesn't make us a rich person. Right? A rich man has lots of money. But just because you have money doesn't make you a rich man. Okay? Just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. A prophet is something different. Will a prophet prophesy? Yes. Every prophet will prophesy. But not every prophecy is prophetic. I'll say it a different way. In all that we read here, there is absolutely not one thing said about foretelling the future. So the prophecy, the tongues, the interpretation is different than someone predicting the future. Okay? A prophet, he stands in the office of the prophet. In fact, um, I should go read to you something in Acts, before we go further, just so that we have this established, the difference between the prophet and prophecy. In Acts chapter 19, no, that's not right. Well, I don't know where the reference is now. But there was, there was a man who had four daughters. And it says they prophesied. Right? They prophesied. That's what these daughters were known for. It didn't call them prophets. It said they prophesied. As they were having a meeting, it said this guy came with his four daughters and they prophesied. Well, a verse or two later, it says there's another man that came. His name was Agabus and he was a prophet. And then he stands up and says, 
Behold, there's going to be a great drought down in Jerusalem. Right? He, pro- he predicted the future. One of the things that you'll see in a prophet is you'll see a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge flow through them a lot. It's revel- the revelation gifts will work in the prophet more than any of the other gifts. And, but, but there you see the distinction between the girls that prophesied and the man who was a prophet and foretold the future. Even though they were happening at the same meeting. Okay, now that we didn't find the reference, I wrote the wrong one in my, in my notes is why. Um, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14. Alright, especially that you may prophesy. So of all the spiritual gifts that are happening in chapter 12, he's saying, man, you guys really need to desire, especially that you prophesy. And what is prophecy? It's inspired speaking. Inspired speaking. That's all, all it is. It's you speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the moment. And everybody can do it. We could right now, tonight, in this room, take turns and go right down the row and every person could speak inspired by the Holy Spirit. Well, the rest of us have to judge it. That's what the Word says we do to prophecy. Judge prophecy. Right? And also, remember in Thessalonians, he said, don't despise prophecies. Apparently they had so much prophecy going on that people began to despise it. Maybe things were said wrong because we see through a glass darkly is how Paul said it. And maybe they said things and they weren't quite right and people were confused. And and so Paul said, hey look, don't don't stifle the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies. But test all things and hold on to the good. So as we prophesy, you're supposed to sit there and be listening and does that register to my spirit on the inside? Is there anything there? And if there is, you take a hold of it and and hold on to the good. Verse 2, for the person who speaks in a tongue, now here he is talking about prayer language, what we would call praying in tongues or speaking to God in a tongue. You'll see because he'll explain it. For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people but to God. Who's he speaking to? To God. It's not the people. It's not anything that needs to be interpreted because it's to God. He goes on and says, since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. Now understand that this tongues, it says no one understands him. This means it is not some known language that's unknown to the speaker, like a sign tongue is. This tongue is a tongue that the speaker doesn't understand and nobody on the planet understands it. But God understands it because you're speaking to God and He understands all things. He understands you're speaking mysteries in the spirit realm. When you pray in tongues, you are praying in the spirit. Now let's just, we're going to come right back up to this verse and continue reading line by line, but let's jump ahead for a moment. Verse 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. My spirit prays. So, praying in tongues, or let me just say it a different way, more accurately than praying in tongues. Speaking to God in a tongue is your spirit praying. Your spirit speaking to God. And you're speaking mysteries out in the Spirit to the Father. And this is an important prayer because with your, with, your spirit is going to pray in harmony with the will of God. Your flesh might pray selfish prayers. Lord, I'd really like that new Corvette. Right? But your spirit is going to pray things that are mysteries, but they're in line with the will of God. 
Because you have a born-again, recreated spirit that has the DNA of God in it. So that's why you are, when you pray in tongues or speak to God in a tongue, that you are praying, you're praying in the Spirit. You know, Ephesians, it says pray at all times in the Spirit. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about just being in an attitude of prayer. Not at all. Or in Jude, it said, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get there in a moment. So I'm going to read verse 2 again. Just read it all in one line. For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people but to God. Since no one understands Him, He speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people. See the difference? The one was to God. This one is to people now. The person who prophesies speaks to people. Why? I'm glad you asked because He tells us next. For their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. So prophecy... Inspired speaking should serve one of or all of these three functions. Strengthening, for building up. Right? If I give an inspired prophecy to Adrian, it's supposed to strengthen him or build him up. Now, we do have had, had some wrong teaching on this because I've heard people say that prophecy will always be um, kind and, and it's going to feel nice. No, not true. Inspired speaking might actually be a rebuke or a reproof. But would a rebuke or a reproof to you if you needed it build you up and strengthen you? Yes, if you would receive it, right? So don't think it has to be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't like the tone of his, his voice when he said that. Oh, get over yourself. Was there any good in it? Test it. If there was, hang on to it. If there wasn't, then don't. Dismiss it. So it's prophecy is to build them up, to strengthen them. It's also exhortation, encouragement. Encouragement. Have you, has anyone ever spoken to you and encouraged you? Just kind of like out of the blue. Come up and say, hey, I, you know, I just want you to know. And they encourage you. Right? Well, they may have been just prophesying because they were inspired to come do this. We don't always have to put the label on, hey, I'm going to prophesy to you now and speak in your extra holy voice. Right? No, you can just have... Ca- I've had casual conversations with people and, and like we're just having a conversation and talking and I just say a real simple thing. I remember Shane was one of the one, people one time that he came to me was like, oh man, what you said you know, back at such and such a date and how you said it just changed my life. I'm like, what are you talking about? And, well, yeah, you just kind of flippantly said whatever line it was to him because he, he said something and I replied with something. And I was sort of in jest, but man, the Spirit of the Lord was all over the words I said and it ministered to him and just helped him to see something differently in that moment. So don't always think that it has to be this weird, holy thing, right? But it, can, it, it comes out in our everyday flow of life. And then also it says prophecy is going to provide comfort, consolation. You know, the, the, you prophesying to someone who's needing comfort or encourage is just you building them up, right? It, you just speak to them from your spirit and say, hey, you know, the Lord just wants you to know that you're not in this alone and He cares about you and He wants you to go the whole way with Him and He has a plan for your future. It's not over. Right? And boy, that just ministers to the person. They feel built up. They feel encouraged. 
That's prophecy. Verse 4, he switches back to speaking to God in tongues or praying in tongues. He says, the person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Builds himself up. Over in Jude, we're going to come right back here, but I'll read a scripture to you out of Jude 20. Jude is a book with only 25 verses in it. One chapter. When I, when I was first learning to hear and follow the Lord, I had just been filled with the Holy Spirit not long before, and I was talking to the Lord in prayer, and He told me to go to Jude. And He said, go to Jude, and He gave me a verse. And at that point, I was too dumb to realize there wasn't multiple chapters in, in Jude. And so I prayed, and I prayed trying to get which chapter this was supposed to be in, and the Lord just wouldn't tell me. Just Jude and the verse. And so finally I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's the first chapter. I'm just going to assume it's the first chapter since he won't tell me which chapter. And I go to Jude. No. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Lord was laughing. I really do. In Jude 20, it says, You dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. And how would you do that? Well, he tells us, praying in the Holy Spirit. What did Paul say praying in the Spirit was? Praying in tongues is praying in the Spirit. So build yourself up praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Did you know that praying in tongues will keep you in the love of God? That's the purpose. It builds you up. And when you stay in the love of God, you'll stay built up. Waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. So, Here we see back in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, he says the one who speaks in a tongue, or we would say prays in a tongue, builds himself up. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. And then Paul makes this statement. He says, I want all of you to speak in tongues. What is Paul? He is writing, inspired writing, from the Holy Spirit, and He says, I want you all to do this. My desire is that all of you do this. Would Paul have, have said that by inspiration of the Holy Spirit if not everyone could? No. No. He wouldn't tell you that if he didn't mean it. You know, Scripture is real simple. Just believe what it says. A lot of Scripture, I mean, a lot of the weird doctrines out there, people wouldn't, they have to be taught how to believe them. But if you just read the Bible as standalone, and you would come away pretty straight. Alright, the person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues, unless... He interprets so that the church may be built up. So prophecy or tongues with interpretation is equal to the gift of prophecy. It'll do the same thing. You could stand up and give an inspired utterance or you could stand up and give out a tongue and if someone else got the, or yourself got the interpretation, it would do the, the same thing that prophecy would have done. Because it's building people up. That's the point. Verse 6. Now he's going to change and start talking about ministry tongues. A message to people in a tongue. He's no longer talking about praying in tongues. 
to the Father. He's talking about speaking to people in a tongue. So now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues. See, back in verse, verse 2, he said you're speaking to God, not to people. Now here he changes it and says, but if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? It needs to do something. It needs to reveal. It needs to be knowledge. It needs to be prophecy or it needs to teach. It says, even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? You know, we all know how the bugle, the battle sound is supposed to be, but if it just stood up and sounded like when I tried to blow a trumpet, you know, we didn't make the sounds it's supposed to make. No one would go get ready for battle. Right? Because they don't recognize that sound. That's what he's saying. Sometimes you need demonstrations to make it simple. In fact, I have good video. Uh, what are those horns called? Shofar. That's what I was meaning by when you blow on it. And it just. I have good video of Elizabeth snorting on one of those trying to blow it in, in Kurdistan, Iraq. So, <laughs> You have one of me too? Okay. <laughs> I guess, I guess we'll leave it there then. <laughs> Verse 9. In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, are you guys zealous for spiritual gifts? Alright, so also you, who are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. So we need to, that needs to be a main purpose of what we're seeking to do, is to build others up around us. To build the church up. Therefore, now what, what, what do we know that when we find the word therefore in Scripture... You're supposed to figure out why it's there for, right? So context is important. Context. It says, Therefore, the person who speaks in a tongue should pray that he can interpret. Well, let's go back to what he had just said. Since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Therefore, in regards to building up the church, the person who speaks in a tongue should pray that he can interpret. So here we see that a person speaking in a tongue could interpret, that, could interpret themselves as well. He should pray that he can interpret. It doesn't say, you know, he should pray that someone else can interpret. So it would, we earlier saw that someone else could interpret it to one, a tongue, to another interpretation. But now he says the person who spoke in a tongue, prayed in a tongue, should pray that he can interpret. And then he says this. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. So praying in tongues, your spirit is praying to the Lord. It says, but my understanding is unfruitful. I remember when I started praying in tongues, my mind said, that sounds nuts. In fact, I waited until Jen went to go take her shower. And then I went to my office, furthest away direction in the house, and shut the door and prayed in tongues. Because I didn't want anyone to hear this weird stuff. Because my mind was unfruitful. It was just going, huh? But boy, I felt so charged up on the inside. 
See, it builds you up. Well, he goes on and he says, what then? I will pray with the Spirit. So he's talking about praying in tongues to the Lord. I will pray in the Spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. What I like to do when I am alone and I'm praying in tongues, um, or, I mean, it can, you can do it anywhere. You don't have to be alone. But the point is, is that as I'm praying in tongues, I'm praying in tongues, I'm praying, I'm praying, all of a sudden I have something in my knowledge now to pray. I've had this happen so many times where I'm just praying in tongues and all of a sudden someone that I haven't thought of in four years comes to my mind. And so I pray for that person. This is what's happening. As I'm praying in the Spirit, now I'm going to pray with my understanding. And so then you pray for that person. Then you go back and you begin to pray in tongues until you get how to pray with your language. And then you pray that out and you just go back and forth. Back and forth. Pray in the Spirit until that's how you can pray all night. You don't need to know what to say. You just pray in tongues until you get something. Oh, I should pray that in English. So you pray it out in English. Did you know you can also sing in the Spirit? He says, I will sing praise with the Spirit. You can sing in tongues. I will, and I will also sing praise with my understanding. You know, if John just stood up there and just sang a whole song in tongues and there's no interpretation, he'd be like, well, that sounded great, but we don't know what he said. Right? Well, that's what he says right here. He goes, otherwise, if you praise with the Spirit, talking about singing in tongues, how will an outsider say amen that you're giving a thanks since he does not know what you are saying? For you truly give thanks well. Did you know singing in tongues is gives thanks well to God? That's what Paul said. You are doing a great job of giving thanks to God when you sing in tongues. But, he says, but the other person's not being built up. Yeah. Because you're just singing to the Lord. and It's not to them. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. I thank God, Paul says this, that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Why is he saying this? Because he wants to benefit others. That when they're gathered together, he's, you know, I've had, I've had people just come up and speak to me in tongues and say the Lord will give me the interpretation and walk away. Well, yeah, exactly. Thanks a lot. When that happened, the Lord told me never mind that. And so I didn't. So I don't know if that was the interpretation of the tongue or, or you know, but either way. <clears throat> it didn't benefit me any, is my point. But five words in English could have benefited me greatly. Alright, he goes on now and he says, Brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adult or perfect or complete in your thinking. This is not, he's, this is not a, a curveball in the middle of what he's teaching. Don't be childish in your thinking. What are children known for? Selfish. They're extremely selfish. They'll cry in the middle of the night. They don't care if you're sleeping or not. I'm hungry. And man, a two-week baby, they know what they need and it's food and they're going to cry and they don't care if they're interrupting you. 
or the pastor's sermon or anything else, right? Because they're very self-centered. And we're not, we're not faulting them for that, but don't be like that, Paul's saying. Don't be just thinking about you. Build others up. Isn't that the whole point of what he's saying as he goes through here? Do excel in things that build others up rather than just looking at you. He goes on in verse 21. It is written in the law, I will speak to this, and this is found in Isaiah 28, 11, and 12 is what he quotes right here. He says, I will speak to this people by people of other tongues and by the lips of foreigners, and even then they will not listen to me. And Paul is applying this to what was taking place with tongues, what Isaiah had said. Verse 22, speaking in tongues then, again, because there's only one word in the Greek for tongues, you have to decide, well, which kind of tongues is he talking about? Well, this is what we would call sign tongues now. So if we were going to write it in English, we would say, so, speaking in sign tongues then, right? But here he just says it this way, speaking in tongues then is intended as a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. While prophecy is not for unbelievers but for believers. Well, think back at, in Acts chapter 2 in the day of Pentecost. Tongues was spoken, they spoke out in a language that was unknown to them, but that people understood that language. That was a sign tongue to them. It gathered the people together, and then Peter preached, and 3,000 people were saved. A sign tongue. He goes, verse 23, If therefore the whole church assembles together and all are speaking in tongues, this is not talking about praying in tongues, It says, all are speaking in tongues and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in. Will they not say that you are out of your minds? Apparently, what was going on for them is they knew the story in Acts. And so they would have people just get up and just spout off in tongues to people hoping that someone's going to understand it as a known language. Just trying to make a sign tongue happen. And he's saying, no, 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 no. He says, people are just going to think you're crazy. Verse 24, but if all are prophesying, or speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, right? If all are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming God is really among you. So now there he detailed sign tongues. Go on and look in verse 26. What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one, say each one, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is to be done, here it is again, for building up. To be done for building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue... There are to be only two, or at the most three, each in turn. In other words, we shouldn't have two or three people trying to speak over top of each other in a tongue at the same time. Wait your turn. Pretty simple, isn't it? Each in turn. And, what does it say? Let someone interpret. Now this is speaking of ministry tongues to people. If I stand here and pray in tongues, it's none of your business what I'm saying to the Lord. And if I want you to know what I'm saying, I'll pray in English. But if I'm going to pray in tongues, that's not addressing you, right? I'm I'm talking to the Lord. 
But if I now deliver to you a message in a tongue, this is what he's talking about here, ministry tongue, should be only two or th- at the most three. So if we had three separate tongues given, we shouldn't go on for four or five simply because he said no. Why? Well, because I suppose everyone, everyone could do this. And we could just be here and just take turns for the rest of our lives just going through it again and again and again and again. But there's a time limit, right? And so he says two or three is good. And let someone interpret. Let someone interpret. Now that gives the idea that a person would give a tongue and it could be that person, he's a someone, could give the interpretation or someone else would have the interpretation, right? It doesn't say let the person who spoke in a tongue interpret. It just says let someone interpret. But if there's no interpreter, and one thing that you'll find in tongues and interpretation is sometimes multiple people, if they operate in this gift, multiple people at the same time will get an interpretation of what was said. Here's what blows me away is sometimes it's word for word the same, and other times it's different variations of the same thing. Kind of like if Gene and Nicole got up and gave us an interpretive dance to the ditty that John played, but they're different variations of the same message that was given. So rather than sit here with a very black and white view of, well, his was right and hers was wrong, understand that they may both be only seeing a part We see through a glass darkly, is what Scripture says. If there's no interpreter, that person is to keep silent in the church. Now there's no period there. He goes on and says, and they should speak to themselves and to God. So just pray in tongues. right? If you think you have a message in tongues and there's no interpreter, don't keep going on and try to give two or three more yet to find an interpreter. Just now go pray in tongues. Talk to yourself and to God. Speak to Himself and to God. It doesn't say, be silent, wait till you're at home, and then speak. Some people add that in. But it doesn't say that. It says, be silent in the church. In other words, don't address the assembly in the tongue. It doesn't say that you can't pray in a tongue out loud in the service when other people are doing the same or worshiping or whatever. Right? Verse 29, two or three prophets should speak and the others should evaluate. See, what, what prophets say and prophecy should be evaluated. It should be judged. But if something has been revealed to another person sitting there, The first prophet should be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one. Apparently their meetings were a little different than ours are today, the structure of them. And it would probably be good for us to get back to more of this structure. But it says everyone, one by one, can prophesy. Why? So that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. I guess if I would have looked at the notes in my side margin, I would have seen that Acts reference I was looking for. For those of you that were taking notes, the difference between prophesy and prophet, you'll find it in Acts 21 verses 8 through 11. Earlier when I couldn't find the reference. 
For you can all prophesy one by one so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. And the prophet's spirits are subject to the prophet's. The prophet's spirits are subject to the prophets. Look, this goes for tongues, it goes for prophecy, it goes for any of this. God is not going to force, the Holy Spirit's not going to force you to do these things. You have to yield to Him. And sometimes people say, boy, I just felt compelled. Okay, but you still had to yield to the Lord. He doesn't just override you and make you do something. If you are just absolutely overpowered to do something, I'm going to say it's not the Lord. You are in control. You have to yield to the Lord and go along with Him. And know this, that when it comes to prophecy and tongues, that not... Wow, we're late. I've got to go faster. Not everything that you get should be given to the assembly. When you feel like you get something on the inside, your next question is, is that for me? Is that for someone else? And if the Lord says someone else, okay, do you want me to do that publicly or is that privately and to whom? Ask the next questions and the Lord will show you. Because a lot of times, especially for people that are new to this, they get something from the Lord and it surely is the Lord, but maybe it was just for them. So they get up and shout it out because it's great, the Lord gave me something, and yay. However, there is a, there is a time and place... In other words, God's not going to just overpower you and make you do it. So the prophet's spirits are subject to the prophet since God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. Now, one thing in the Greek, there was no commas and periods and exclamation marks. Right? That was in the original language. The translators put in where they think it should go based on how they're reading it in English. So I'm just going to tell you right here, there shouldn't be a period at the end of God is not a God of disorder but of peace. It should be a comma. The period should be at the end of saints, as in all the churches of the saints. God is a God of order. God is a God of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Period. Okay. Now, he goes on to something else in talking about speaking. This, this here, all through the book of Corinthians, Paul would answer questions that they had apparently asked him. Maybe they'd sent him a letter. Usually they're in parentheses. And some of the margins of your Bibles will have notes there that talk about what those, those questions were in parentheses. But there was a number of questions that they asked Paul, and then when Paul would address the question, he would repeat the question back to them and then bring the correction to it. Like, all things are for the stomach. All things are expedient, but not all things are... Or all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. He quotes that back to them, and then he, you know, he, he, he would just bring correction to their quotes. Well, that's what he's doing right here. They didn't put it into quotations because they didn't recognize that. But the reason that I'll be so strong to say that this was something he was quoting back to them, um, you'll see here in just a moment. He says, The women should be silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to submit themselves as the law also says. If they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, since it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. I've read the Bible through from cover to cover many times. 
And not one time in the law did he ever say this. So Paul is not saying the law says this. He is quoting them. What they say the law says. And what does he say next? He goes, what? I like how the King James says it. But he says, what? Did the Word of God originate from you or did it come to you only? What? Are you guys... What are you doing? You think you're the inventor of the Word of God? Why are you, why are you saying things like that? Because you can search it out. Don't take my word for it. Go look in all the Old Testament and there's nowhere that it says that. In the law, the Torah. He goes on and says, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, he should recognize that what I write to you is the Lord's command. So, do you accept this as the Lord's command? So when Paul says, I want you all to speak in tongues, do you accept that as the Lord's command? If anyone ignores this, he will be ignored. There's your answer if you don't. So then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Let everything... This translation reads this way. But everything is to be done decently and in order. A very literal translation would say, let everything be done honorably or honestly and by order. By order. No deceit. It should be done honorably and in, in its order. Everything should be done. All of these things should be done. Now, there's a certain time and place for it. You shouldn't just get up and spout out in prophecy or in a tongue in the middle of me preaching. That's not in order and it's not honorable. Okay? You should wait for the proper time when it's in order to now speak what I believe the Lord's giving me. For in this house, one of the ways to do that is in worship. Listen to what the Lord's saying to you in worship. And at that law, you know, let someone know if, the, if it's too loud where you can't be heard. But as we wait on the Lord, that's the perfect opportunity to release what the Lord's giving you. And if the Lord gives it to you halfway through the sermon, well, the Lord's powerful enough to give it to you when it's t- in its proper order. Right? Alright. Let everything, or one translation says it this way, everything is to be done. Everything is to be done decently and by its order. Now, in closing, I want to... What's the purpose? I'm going to ask a few questions. What's the purpose of praying in tongues or speaking to God in tongues? Louder? Build yourself up. Just like a battery charges up, you get charged up. That's the purpose of speaking to God in a tongue. What's the purpose of speaking to people in a tongue? To build them up, right? To build them up. What would be the purpose of a sign tongue? The sign tongue is in Acts 2, where they spoke in a language unknown to them, but known to the listener, right? The sign tongue. And that was acting, well, it, it drawed them in so they could preach the gospel. So, the purpose of tongues, and, and I'll say this, because this part... Um, a lot of people get, when they try to hear the Lord, they, they are not 
They're, they're trying to hear the Lord with the wrong, in the wrong place. They're trying to hear the Lord either in their mind or in their soul realm in their, in their, or their five senses with their ears, physical ears. But that's not how the Lord speaks to His people. The Lord speaks to His people through His Spirit that's in you. So His point of contact with you is your born-again Spirit. And there's where you need to be listening for the Lord to speak to you on the inside. The sense that you get on something. You know, some people might call it intuition or your gut feeling. Well, really what you're talking about is what you're sensing in your spirit. And the more that you pray in the Spirit, the more sensitive you will become of spiritual things. The more in tune, the more time you spend in the Spirit, the more sensitive you're going to become to the Lord as He ministers spiritual things to you. Or it'll just cause your spirit to be more sensitive. Does that make sense? That's why praying in tongues, If the more that you pray in tongues, the more you'll see the other gifts manifest through you. Because it's not that they weren't there before, it's you became more sensitive to what the Lord wanted to do. Because you became more spirit aware. Now, I'm going to go to Ephesians 6 and Ephesians 5, and we're going to close there. In Ephesians 6 and verse 18. Pray at all times in the Spirit. So are we commanded to pray in tongues? Yes, all the time. Pray at all times in the Spirit. And with every prayer and request, stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So pray. Should everyone pray in tongues? Yeah, everyone should pray in tongues. Look at verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 17. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You ready to understand what His will is? Good. I'm glad you asked because He's going to tell us in verse 18. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. His will is that you be filled with the Spirit. And this word be filled, it in the original language, it carries an ongoing thing. It's not a one-time event. It's ongoing, continuous action. In English, we would say it, be being filled, or be constantly filled, we might say, by the Spirit. And then what else is the Lord's will? He tells us, verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms. You know what psalms are, right? We have a whole book of them. But it's prophecy in psalm is what it is. In hymns, we know what those are, and spiritual songs, singing in the Spirit. Singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are told to be filled, be be being filled with the Spirit and speak. Speak in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to yourselves. Making music out of your spirit unto the Lord. So, here's what let's do. John, why don't we have you come up and uh, don't play us a ditty though. Um, just give us some music and an atmosphere for the Lord to minister to His people. And let's take a moment and let's wait on the Lord. And if someone has a prophecy, if someone has a tongue, and you feel prompted of the Lord, 
get up and share it, and we'll just let the Lord minister to us as He sees fit. This is a good time to just pray in the Spirit. Don't worry about what your neighbor thinks, because it's not to them, it's to the Lord. Father, we bless you. We present ourselves to you right here tonight. and We ask you, Lord, to minister to us through your gifts. We yield ourselves to your will and to your desires that Jesus would be glorified. If you'd like a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, just stretch out your hands up to the Lord as a sign of surrender to Him. Father, we invite You. You said that if we ask for the Holy Spirit, we would receive it. And so, Lord, I ask You to fill us full of Your Holy Spirit. Receive now in Jesus' name. Be filled and overflowing with the Spirit of God for all praise and all glory to the Lord. Thank You, Lord. I've walked with the Lord many years. And there's so many prophets, so many people have heard the Lord speak to them. But do we always know it's the Lord? You know, the, the Word says we're supposed to test the spirits. Mm -hmm. I remember I belonged to the full gospel for a number of years. I remember one morning I was ready to go. I just dug up all the potatoes. And the Lord says, get a bag of potatoes. I said, what? He said, get a bag of potatoes and take them with you. So, I said, okay. But you, we have to learn to hear the Spirit, test the spirits too. I've done this many times. And you have to know it is the Lord. When I went to the meeting, there was this young man got up. I didn't know him. But he said, uh, I don't have any food. I don't have anything to eat. So I thought, okay, here's what the potatoes are for. And then this man got up to say, he said, I had a word in tongues. He said, I knew I had to get up and give it. He said, I was in a strange church. Nobody knew me. But he said, I got up, gave the word in tongues. But nobody responded. He said, I was ready to crawl under the bench. Nobody see me. But at the end of the service, a little oriental lady got up and she said, I was afraid to speak. But she said, I'll tell you exactly what he said because it was my language. And I'll tell you exactly what he said. So she did. And he felt so much better. <clears throat> I've had that happen several times where I was praying in tongues, praying to the Lord, and someone else understood it in another language. I was once in, in Turkey and there was a young man um, there from Brazil. And in the language in Brazil, Portuguese. And um, so he was there uh, with the Mirabellas and we were having an evening of worship and praise and he had just arrived that evening. And um, I'm over there walking back and forth on the one end of the room, just praying in tongues. And so when we were done, he comes over to me and he's like, man, I didn't know you knew Portuguese. 
And he, we, he said something first to me in Portuguese, and I'm like, huh? And, he, and then he says, you know, he says in English, I didn't know that you knew Portuguese. And I'm like, I don't know Portuguese. I don't know the first word in Portuguese. He said, what? And he just started repeating to me some of the things I was praying over there. He said it was in perfect Portuguese. Well, okay, yay. But see, I wasn't aware of it. Um, but the Lord, he can, he can do those things. Right? Whether, whether it was me saying that or whether there was a miracle in, in his hearing, I don't know. But he understood it. One of the things, um, I want to use Larry as an illustration because Larry has for many, many years been getting up and giving tongues and interpretations to us. And, and many times he's the only one. Right? And so we want to, you know, Larry has been with us for many years. And but we know that he's probably not going to be with us for many, many more years, right? Because he, he's run a long race already. Well, we don't want, when the day comes that Larry goes to be with Jesus, we don't want it to be that when our tongues is done in this house because Larry's gone. Right? That, that's silly. So what we need is for some of you to be bold enough to step up and do what he has been faithful to do in this house. One thing that I always, um, it's, a good, it's a good thing for us to learn from him on and pay attention that when, you, when he gets up and gives a tongue and interpretation, if you're sensitive in the Spirit, you'll, you'll hear him give the interpretation and partway through the interpretation, he'll switch into prophecy and begin to prophesy. And if you'll pay attention, you can see exactly when it was. I mean, I've had this happen a number of times where afterwards I would talk to someone and say, did you notice? Yeah, they noticed exactly at that point. What is that? Well, because what the Lord wants to minister to you, He gives the tongue, He gives the interpretation, but then the Lord wants to do more. There's more in there. Each person can prophesy. And so pay attention when someone's given a tongue and interpretation many times. Kenneth Hagin used to do it all the time. He would give a tongue and interpretation and then he'd just keep right on rolling. There wouldn't even be a break. And he'd go right into prophecy and he would even say that's, you know, later when he's teaching, that's, that's what he does often. So it's not, it's not a, um, a mistake. It's just understand and become sensitive in the Spirit and you'll be able to tell What's happening in the spirit realm? Oh, breve kishala, lo ye na moya kasigdo, yani nise makasiando rikasuti na ni bukwaria. You know, you're my children. You have been adopted into the family. <laughs> I'd love to take you home right now to show you my beautiful earth. And the mansion that I have prepared for you. But there's too much work to be done. Too many souls come into my kingdom. But you can reach somebody else. You can reach somebody that nobody else can touch. We need to learn to be obedient. We learn to know the still small voice of a living, healing, loving, caring God who cares about all people, who died for all people. He gave his son as a living sacrifice for you. But you are part of his family. You are part of God's children. 
called to live and love and serve him, called to be a light in a dark place. We all have different places to go. We all have different things to do. We all come in contact with different people. But God loves them all. But he wants to use each one of you and the giftings that he has placed in you, whether it be here at church, tending the children, whether it be giving a word, whether it be singing, whether it just be praising God, because he is well worthy of praise. He is a magnificent God. Awesome, holy, and mighty, way beyond our comprehension as a human being. But He loves you. He loves each one of you. And He prepared you. He made you in your mother's womb. He has a plan for your life. He has a calling on your life to be a witness of His love for you, for each and every person. But we have a free choice, you know. Who will we serve? Who will you serve? Who will go out with the love of Jesus Christ for a world that needs to know my love? Anybody else? Just remember, it's not about you. Come, Shane. It's not about you. It's what the Lord wants to do to those around you to build them up. Right here, get him them. So I'm sitting there, and I feel like the Lord's stirring me up to share something. And I'm, right before Larry shares, I'm like, okay, do I do this now? And I'm like starting to get kind of nervous. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is not, maybe this is just me. And then all of a sudden, he shares the word, and I'm like, okay, I'm seeing how this is kind of playing into what the Lord was stirring me to share. So I don't know how many of you were here. Uh, I think it was the first time we were actually in this building. And I had actually given a tongue. It was the first time in my life I had ever given a tongue and then given an interpretation. And I had multiple people come up and say, what was that like? What was this? What was that? And listen, it was simply me asking the Lord, saying, I want you to use me, and then yielding. And I have a, I've had this sense that, and I'm not, you know, here to point anybody out. This is not any of that. I have had a strong sense that in our church, there are people that are not walking in the roles that God wants them to walk in. Because every time that this opportunity opens up up here, I just, and maybe it's me, I don't know, again, judge this. This is what I'm asking you to do, judge this among yourselves. But I sit there and I just feel like there's somebody who has a word that God wants to use that person, but they're sitting here like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Oh, no, that can't be me. No, it's this, that. God wants to use the people that are the least likely for the circumstance because that's the people he can place his glory on. Those are the people that he wants to use because they're not, I can speak in front of people, okay? Like that's, that's a gifting God has given me and I'm comfortable in that. God also uses me for things that I'm not comfortable with because that's where his glory shines. Just like Anybody in here who feels like, oh, I couldn't do that, well, yeah, that's probably where God's going to use you because it's not in your own strength. And I believe that there are people in here that have a strong gifting in this area of giving tongues and interpretation and stepping out in the Spirit that all you have to do is when you're in that place of being uncomfortable, close your eyes and say, Father, I trust you. 
and then take the step. Regardless of what it looks like, we love you, whoever it is, whoever God's speaking to, we love you, and this is a safe place. He could tell you, he, he and I have had conversations about outbursts that I've had just trying to trust the Lord, and ha, it's, it's not a scary thing. There's, an in, there's a boldness that comes out of obedience to the Lord that will absolutely change your life, and not just your life, but lives of many others. Good. Thank you. Hey, look, I'd like to quit and dismiss, but we're not done yet. There's something there, so... You know, when you gave that tongue, <clears throat> Shane, the first time that we were in this building, because we were actually having a meeting here, and I was letting you guys know as the ministry workers that we're going we're gonna to move here. And that night before I came, I was taking a shower, and the Lord told me that when I get to this certain place in my delivery, that there would be a tongue and interpretation. And so we came, and I came to the meeting, and Larry wasn't here. And I was like, how dumb am I, right? But I'm like, oh, I guess it won't be tonight, huh? And I got to that spot in my delivery, and I paused to, to shift into the next thing, and Shane raises his hand and says, I've got something. Okay. And he goes off in a tongue and an interpretation. It was beautiful. But the point is, is, you know, the Lord, bless God, He uses Larry, right? But He wants to use you too. So thank you for being obedient that time and being bold enough to, hey, what's the worst that's going to happen? Is you're going to mouth off in a tongue and no one gives it an interpretation, so what are we going to do next? Drag you out to the parking lot and stone you. No. We're just going to be like, okay, well, we won't go any further and do any more tongue until we, we have an interpretation. It's not hard. It's simple. Yeah, it's fun to be used by the Lord. Do you have something to say? All right, get him the microphone. One thing the Lord, uh, even throughout the years, is fasting. Fasting unclutters our any clutter spiritually so together combined with being intimate with the Lord and praying in the spirit and in the word when we also fast it enhances us our sensitivity to hear his voice That's good thank you well I was talking to somebody before service uh, about CityGate Lancaster next or t tomorrow Columbia next Sunday and I invited invited them to come hadn't been there and a tenseness came over and said I'm so intimidated by that and I'm sitting here thinking probably people feel intimidated by what was preached tonight and the opportunity to do it one thing I have noticed at CityGate with everybody who's come, and I, I bet if I gave this mic to everybody who came, especially the youth, um, that it broke that intimidation off of them. Didn't it? You got out there and you were with somebody else, so you weren't alone, 
and you're out there talking and all of a sudden an opportunity the Lord gives you to talk to somebody else about the Lord and it's just conversational and you get by you get by that particular situation and this has happened to me wow that was awesome I said yeah it really was and then we get to the next one as we're walking we're just talking and God gives us another opportunity and before you know it that person is saying something it has been the most incredible ministry to be a part of. Do you feel a little intimidated tonight because of the message tonight? Or God's been stirring your spirit about getting out of your comfort zone? I really encourage you to come to CityGate and walk the streets with, like, with your brothers and sisters. Nobody goes alone. And just take the step and, and have the Lord break that intimidation off of you. And I, I really guarantee you, you'll be talking to people in grocery stores, in pools. God will just make his spirit flow through you because you have, you've decided to break that intimidation off by doing something to get out of your comfort zone. And I think he gave us a safe ministry to do that. And a fun one, too. And it's been very effective. Not just to the people we minister to, but to the people who come. All right, let's pray for their endeavor tomorrow in, in CityGate as well as down in Richmond, our service. Father, I thank you that you have seen tomorrow from eternity past already and that you know everything that's going to happen and so Lord we commit our, our night of rest to you we commit tomorrow to you and I ask you Father to every person that's going to City Gate that you empower them and enable them to do your will to be sensitive to your spirit Lord bring people into uh, their to encounter them that they would be able to minister your love and your truth and to preach the gospel Father we're asking for souls to be saved for people to come into the kingdom for deliverance Father we're asking you for freedom to be delivered to the captives as they come tomorrow I thank you for this Father I ask you to put the right words in Shane's mouth as he shares cause him to speak as the oracles of God and I bless you for it Father we we also lift up our service in Richmond to you and I ask that you would uh, every person ministering and serving that you would give us a special grace to minister to you according to your will to minister to the people according to your will and that you would be glorified above all else thank you for safety for all of our teams that are going out tomorrow we bless them and we call them back home safely again in Jesus name and amen all right one way that we love God praying in tongues it keeps us in the love of God and by loving each other Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, our happy place. Amen. Praise the Lord. It really is. 
Welcome. Welcome to Church of the Word International tonight. Thanks for showing up and coming and being a part of this family gathering. I'd like to encourage you tonight in our time of worship in the Psalms, and in particular Psalms 98. It's a psalm that talks about the return of the Jews from their Babylonian uh, captivity and the rebuilding of their second temple. And it speaks of God's faithfulness to keeping his promises to them, the promises of deliverance and bringing them back. And let's, I'll just start off and read a few passages of it. But as you're, as you're, thinking, as you're listening to this, Remember, we've been, we have great cause to praise and thank the Lord. Great, much more than they did, because we've been delivered from the power of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light. They didn't have that. They were just happy to go home. But we are headed home for an eternity, a home with the Father. And that is great cause to, to think about. And and as you're doing that, think about all the different things that comes with the benefit of being in Christ and born again. And it'll just produce a great joy in your life and a great heart of thanksgiving. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation the righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So shout joyfully unto the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song and rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with a harp. And with the harp and the sound of the psalm and the trumpets and the violins and the horns, shout joyfully before the Lord. And then he talks about the earth. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the world and all those who dwell in it, let the rivers clap their hands and let the hills be joyful before the Lord. For he is coming. He's coming back. He's coming back to judge the earth with righteousness. He shall judge the world and the, all the people with justice. We have so much to be thankful for. Now, this is a command. Did you know that? Shout with gladness and bless the Lord. But the Father is looking for a response from our heart. Because our heart, we have to make a choice to do it. Amen. So let's stand up together tonight and let's just put everything down that doesn't produce joy and let's thank the Lord that we're here together tonight praising and worshiping him in one accord.
Father, we just declare you are holy. Let's just lift up our hands right now to the Lord. Just tell Him with your own mouth, you are holy. I worship you, Lord. I exalt you, Lord. Your faithfulness is eternal. You are worthy of all our praise. Father, I bless you. Thank you, Lord, for being merciful. Thank you for being full of compassion. Thank you that you watch over your word to accomplish it and perform it. And we worship you, Lord. Father, we present ourselves to you right now. And I thank you for the blood of Jesus. The blood that has made all the difference, that has brought us into a new covenant. Thank you, Father, that you gave us authority in the name of Jesus. And we use that name right now. The name of Jesus. And by the name of Jesus, I bind every, every demonic spirit and assignment that has come against the people of this house. I bind it. I break it in Jesus' name. You have no rights here. This is a Holy Spirit zone. These people are set apart for your service, Father. And we exalt you. We run with you. We praise you all day, every day. Father, I thank you for freedom. Someone say, I am free. For the Spirit of the Lord has made me free. Thank you, Father, for freedom. Thank you, Father. Lord, I ask for an infilling of your Holy Spirit right here, right now. In this house, Lord, that you would come within and upon us. By your Spirit, cause our eyes to be open to see things that we haven't seen before. Cause our memory to be refreshed with things that you've taught us in the past but that we've let go of or forgotten. Father, I ask you to open our ears to hear clearly. Open our spiritual ears and eyes to see and hear plainly and clearly as you would have us to see and hear. And let's say this to the Lord. Say, I yield to you fully. I surrender my will to yours. Have your way in me and through me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <clears throat> you know, the Word says that if you submit to God, it's in that authority and in that place of submission that you can resist the devil and the devil will flee from you. From you. Because you stand in his authority. Did you know the devil doesn't know the difference between you and God when you're standing in his authority? And he has to flee. Because he's, he's not the equal opposite of God the Father. He's not even a close second. Right? He is far removed. In fact, in Isaiah, I think it's in Isaiah, it's somewhere in the Bible, and I can find you the reference later if you need it. But in Scripture, it tells us that the day is coming when the kings of the earth are going to look on the enemy, the devil, and say, is this the one that the whole world was terrified by? Really? Is this it? 
He's not what He's cracked Himself up to be. I'm telling you. And we have the victory in the name and blood of Jesus. And in that authority, we're going to walk in it all day, all night, every minute, every second of the day. And should you find yourself in a place where you're not walking in it, just run back to the throne room where there is help for you in this moment. Thank you, Lord, that the doors of heaven are open to your children. Thank you that we can come boldly to you and we can find help and mercy and grace in our time of need. We rejoice in you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for relationship with you. There is no one as good as my Father. Woo! There's no one as kind as He is. There's no one that cares about you as much as He does. The Word says that no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. No one can snatch you out. Aren't you grateful that you're sealed in the Holy Spirit? you have something? You grab one. Well, I thought I was going to share this before I got up to do the tithe, but same spirits from both of us, because I had my heart stirring during worship, and I just feel like there's some things the Lord wants to minister to, to His people tonight, because I look out at all of y'all, and I know of situations, I know of battles, I know of disappointments and heartbreak and things that have happened in some of y'all's lives. God wants you to know He sees you. He loves you. Yes. He is so for you. And if you'll just point your nose, your face towards Him, He'll carry you through this. But you need to do this other thing I saw too. Take a hold of your neighbor's hand, if you have one nearby, and tell your neighbor this. Say, I'm. I'm not alone. You're not alone. Tell them you're not alone. You're, you're not, not alone. alone. I'm not alone. Tell them the greater one is in you. The greater one is in you. you. The greater There's strength one in unity. In Family, you're not alone with what you're going through. Yeah, that's right. Your situation might look different than the next person. But there's people in here that are fighting the same good fight of faith and have had some challenges. Love on one another. And now I just declare the peace of God, the yeah. peace of God <laughs> over this place. I declare the wisdom of God for situations over this place. I plead the blood of Jesus over these people. We're coming up. We're the head and not the tail. We're coming over yes. this thing. We're going through stronger. We're going through stronger because of you in us, Lord. Not thank you that every need, every situation, that you meet them where they're at, that you carry them through, that they know exactly where to go, where to turn, and that you just provide the comfort and the peace of God that they need in their lives right now because you love us. And we are just so grateful to be your family, to be your children. I thank you for it, Father.
All right, let's take a moment. We're going to pray for... Linda Deem, Jim Deem's wife Linda, is in the hospital and um, with a blockage in her heart. But we know that the Lord is able to remove blockages and dissolve them. All right, so let's lift Linda up in prayer. Father, I thank you right now that your ear is open to the righteous. And Father, we present Linda to you. And I ask you, Lord, right now to encounter her wherever she is cause a strengthening to come from the inside out, from her spirit, your spirit in her, Lord. That she would be strengthened from the inside out. That she would sense your closeness and your presence right now in this moment. I thank you for it. Father, I ask you to touch her heart and according to what Jesus did already for Linda, that by his wounds, Linda is healed. Heart, we say, blockages be removed heart be strong, work correctly, work properly. Every vein, every vessel, every, every organ in Linda's body work to perfection the way God created it to work right now in the name of Jesus. We just release the power of God into her body and that the doctors will look and say, what happened here? You have been overhauled. Father, I thank you and I bless you for your goodness to Linda. I thank you that you bring strength to her from the inside out. I thank you that you bless Jim and you bring a strengthening to him and a unity to them as they walk out of this in victory in Jesus' name. Lord, I lift up Josiah's family and friends to you. And Lord, that tomorrow as they celebrate his life, that you would be near and dear to every person that's there. That your spirit would comfort them in a way that goes beyond understanding and compare. Lord, I ask that more than anything else, that people would recognize and understand that You are good, that You are faithful, and Lord, that You long to have relationship with them as well. Thank You, Lord, that You bring in those moments where they experience grief, that in those moments, Lord, that You would just comfort them by Your Spirit, cause memories and anticipation of future times together to be refreshed to them. In Jesus' name, and Amen. Before we release the children and send the teachers to their classes, I would like to have Kelly come and um, share some announcements. Good evening. We are starting a new school year, which means we have some changes that go along with that for children's ministry. So anybody who is entering sixth grade, you are now with us in the service. But tonight, when we release the children, you are able to go back just to shop at the Honor Coin store for the very last time to use up all those Honor Coins you earned this summer. And then we will send them back in to the service. So we do have several changes. 
Andrea Lapp is going to be taking over the nursery coordinating position. And Alicia Schumann is going to be taking over as preschool coordinator as well. We also have combined some classes. So if you have a child going into kindergarten, first or second grade, they are going to just be an elementary class now. We have um, done away with the 5K because most of our children are in first and second grade now. So we've just combined that classroom. And we have several children that are moving classrooms tonight. So I'll be back there along with Miss Alicia to help you find your new lines and classroom. Couple reminders to parents. Please, uh, if, there, if you ever see any children's ministry emails, please take a few moments to just look through them, read through them, because there's important updates or information for you. And also, we will send out monthly scripture memory for elementary and juniors as well. Just a couple things to remember as we're starting a new year. We have a children's ministry check-in table in the back, so we would ask that you would please take your child, sign them in. This gives the teachers an opportunity to see that they're getting signed in by a parent, someone signing the clipboard, so that we have a count for everybody also who's in our classrooms back there. And also if there's any special directions that you need to let the teacher know for that night. And then there is a number system we have here. We have not used it here yet, but we, we do have a number system. So if there was ever a need to get you for any reason, you would see a number. It's red. It would be put up on the screen, and it'll flash up, and then it'll go back to the scripture, whatever it is. So it's a little different than the other building, but we do have that. So if you are unsure of your family number, please check the clipboard when you check your child in tonight because your family number has not changed. Also, if your family number is called, if your child's in nursery, just head right back to the nursery. But if you are looking for a preschool or elementary or junior's child, you can meet the teacher at the child check-in table. That'll be our main station for any of that. And then just a reminder that if we have a service where we have worship in the beginning, then we will be at the end of the service you will be able to go right back to where you dropped your child off. We will have all the teachers bring them back to the lines that you had dropped them off in, and you can pick your child up there if there is no worship at the end of the service. But if it's usually how we do it with a few songs in the beginning and the rest of the worship set at the end, then they will be dismissed to you in the sanctuary. Is it? Thank you, Kelly for leading our children's ministry department so diligently. Yeah. I need to do one more thing. I need to be obedient to the Lord. He wants me to read a psalm to you, and one that probably many of you have memorized in the past. <clears throat> but as I read these words to you, I want you to listen to them and let them go down into your spirit and touch your soul and that they will strengthen you they'll encourage you <clears throat> my soul bless the Lord and all that is within me what all's in you ha huh. All that is within me, bless His holy name. Ha. I bless You, Lord. <laughs> Woo! Lord, You are awesome and You are good beyond compare. I bless You, Lord. I need windshield wipers for my eyeballs. 
My soul, bless the Lord, and do not forget all His benefits. You know, there's benefits to serving the Lord. There's benefits. We don't serve Him for the benefits, but we sure enjoy the benefits, right? Here's the benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. And your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed His way to Moses and His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His faithful love toward those who fear Him. Actually, this is a great opportunity to put in a plug for our upcoming home group. Because it's on the fear of the Lord. The awe of God. You can pick up the books in the lobby. They are suggested donation of $14 a piece. Um, that's what we paid for them. If you want to be a part of the uh, home group, but you don't have the money for a book, well, just let us know and we'll cover it for you because we want you to be a part of it more than we want $14. All right? But the fear of the Lord will do amazing things for you. And one of the things that it does is His faithful love is as high as the heaven is above the earth toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. I'm so glad that verse is in, in the Bible. Remembering that I am dust. Remembering that I'm... haven't reached that glorified place yet that we will all experience. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes and its place is no longer known. But, from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear Him. From eternity to eternity. And His righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep His covenant, who remember to observe His precepts. Grandpa, Grandma, your grandchildren are within your reach even if you don't have contact with them. Even if you don't have contact with them. Right here, it says so. It says that if you keep covenant, the Lord will do this even to your grandchildren. The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all His angels of great strength who do His word, obedient to the voice of His command. Bless the Lord, all His armies, His servants who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works... In all the places where He rules, my soul, bless the Lord. Amen. Bless the Lord. 
Be like Karen. Bless the Lord. How do you bless the Lord? Well, you do it with your tongue and with your mouth. You make noise and you say, Lord, I bless you. You're awesome. That's how you bless Him. You tell Him of His goodness. You remind Him of your love for Him. It's not that He forgets, but He loves when you say it. You know, if you're in a romantic relationship with someone, whether you've been married for a long time or you've just started that, you like to hear the other person tell you that they appreciate you, that they love you, that they don't take you for granted, that they value you. That ministers to you when your loved ones do that. Even not in a romantic relationship. I'm brother to brother and sister to sister, right? It ministers to you. What ministers to the Lord when you tell Him that? You say, God, I love you. It ministers to Him. Right? Alright. I love you. And it's time to send our children to their classes and the teachers to their places. While they're going, let's take a couple minutes and, and greet each other. And um, introduce yourself if it's someone new. And if you've met them before, pretend you haven't. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be here tonight. Really good to see all your smiling faces. I feel like I've had church already. I don't know. How about you? (laughs) The presence of the Lord is here, and it's a beautiful thing. Well, we want to welcome you if it's your very first time to Church of the Word. You want to just raise your hand so we can acknowledge you, clap for you a little bit. Anyone? Okay. Well, oh, right over here in the back. Welcome. We're glad you're with us tonight. <laughs> that's just a little information card. If you want to fill it out and put it in the basket when it goes by, that's um, great. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe. So if you need an envelope for your cash giving, you can raise your hand. If you're giving by credit card, please fill out all of the blanks. And if you're making out a check, you can make it out to CWI. And we're going to return the holy portion to the Lord. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. When I was praying this week about what the Lord wanted me to bring out in the offering message, he gave me a phrase, and the phrase kept coming up, kept coming up, and so... Before I tell you the phrase, we're going to look at some things here in this chapter 22 of Genesis. And this is the account of where God tested the heart of Abraham. He asked him for an offering. Did you notice that? Tested his heart. And he asked him for his Isaac. He asked him for his son. He says in verse 2, he said, uh, to take your son, your only son whom you love. Wow, God. You really went for it like... I mean, my son, man, I'll I'll give you a check with lots of zeros, but my son? But anyway, he asked him for his Isaac. And verse 3 just wows me every time I really stop and think about it. Verse 3 says, early the next morning, he got up. I mean, there was no, like, Lord, uh, can we have a conversation? Uh, No pleading with him. No, like, well, I don't know. Let's delay a little bit and make sure that was God. Let's... No wrestling. It was just early the next morning. He's on it. He's, he is in obedience to him. It was not like, hey, that's going to cost me too much. I mean, could we rethink this? It just wows me every time I read it. And I'm not planning to read this whole chapter, but if, 
if you were to take in your own time, go through this chapter, you'll pick up on a calmness about Abraham, just like this assurance, this, this, he's not rattled. He's in faith. It's, he's in faith and he's confident because he knows that God's going to keep his word. See, Isaac was the promise. Isaac, he had said that his covenant would be established through Isaac. So he's in faith that I'm believing God. I mean, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but God said Isaac is the promise. Isaac is the one the covenant's coming through. He's not letting go of that. And so you just see this confidence there. You know, he could have, he could have said, you know, like some people do, and say, well, you know, God gives and God takes away. So I guess he gave me Isaac a while, and I guess he's, changed, he's, he's taken away now. None of that. It was what you said you would do, you're going to do it. And I'm just believing you. Verse 12, you see God's response. We know the story, how he went and went to sacrifice his son and the angel of God. In, the, in verse 2, it says God was talking and was speaking to him and said, take your son. But now here in verse 12, verse 11, says the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. And he stopped him. He says, don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. See, our obedience, what we're willing to wait, lay down on the altar, demonstrates the fear of the Lord, whether or not we have it in our life. God wasn't trying to hurt him. God wasn't trying to take anything from him. He wanted to flesh out what was in his heart. Do you believe me? Who do you worship? Do you believe in my character, in my goodness, in my faithfulness? It was going to bring all of that up to the surface in, in what him asking for his Isaac. See, our attitude towards our tithes and our offerings reveals our heart towards God. That's why it's so important that we don't let, you know, because I know it's a common thought out there that, well, you know, tithes and offerings, that's not really important. Just put a basket in the back and, you know, let's not hush-hush. And It's important to God. It reveals something about us to him. And it takes it takes trust. It takes faith to give God your all. It takes for that surrender. All right, verse 16 and 17. This is, I'm getting to the phrase. So, he provides the ram, backed up a little bit. He provides the ram, and in verse 15, the angel of the Lord again called to Abraham a second time. And he said, I swear by myself, says the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, Here's the phrase, in blessing, I will bless you, and in multiplying, I will multiply your seed. But the phrase, in blessing, I will bless you, kept coming up. In blessing, I will bless you. And I just felt like there was a couple of aspects of this to bring out. Number one, the blessing followed the obedience. Number two, God is the blesser. He's a blessing God. Don't let the lies of the enemy tell you anything otherwise. He's not a taker. He's a blessing God, and he's looking for an opening into our lives to bless. That's who he is. That's his character. In blessing, I will bless you. Saying it double strengthens the message. 
Uh, and then the other thing is, is in blessing. In other words, as you choose life, as you choose the blessing path, as you choose the blessing flow, I will bless you. I mean, really, it's, it's the law of sowing and reaping. In blessing, you'll be blessed. You know, Abraham, he chose the blesser over the blessing, did he not? And did he, he sowed big, he reaped big. It's just the word agrees with one another. You can see it in this. And for you and I, God's not a respecter of persons. It's not that Abraham is more loved by God, more special by God. If we'll bring this same kind of heart and faith and obedience, the, the Lord will have the same reaction towards us. Amen? So he's after our heart. That's really what it is. He's after our heart. He wants to know, do you believe him? Do you trust him? Do you view him as a good God? And he's good for his word. Amen? All right, well, take a hold of your tithes and our offerings, and let's present that to the Lord. Father, I just thank you tonight that you're with us and that you are the blesser and that you don't withhold anything good from us and that you only have good thoughts towards us. And I just thank you, Lord, that you kept your word to Abraham. I thank you, Lord, that you were the God of promise, the God of blessing, and that you still are today. I thank you that you provided for him then and that you are providing now. And we just we return the tithe to you as part of our worship. And we're looking to you, Father, to be our source, to be our provision, and to be our shield and protection in every way. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. All right, all is invited to the Richmond service tomorrow. It's 1 p.m., and the address is here in the bulletin. Citygate Lancaster, if you're interested in going with this team, please speak to Sandy. I think there's a limited amount of people, but we would um, appreciate a few volunteers to go to Citygate Lancaster. Of course, the sign-up sheet for Columbia is in the back. Youth and Young Adult Impact is here at the building at 6, and as was mentioned prior, our new home group series is beginning soon, so please Sign up and be a part of that amazing series. I'm sure it's going to change your life.